0: The Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. We apologise for the poor sound quality in parts of this recording. Welcome along. This is episode 237 of the Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest-running tech podcast. This episode is for Thursday, the 10th of October, 2013. My name is Edwin Herman. We're live here at the Southern Cross Bar in Wellington, and it's lovely to be here. I have two panelists joining me. First of all, welcome to the show, Brett King.
1: Hey, hey. Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. And you've had a good weekend. Oh, it hasn't been too bad. It hasn't been too bad. It's been very busy. It hasn't felt really relaxing. Well, i tell you what. We can sit back and relax and, and use this time for that. Oh, indeed. I'm relaxing with a beer now. Excellent. Except what's your beer? Uh, something. You've forgotten what you ordered. Mm, it's a lager.
0: <laughs> okay, it's a lager. That narrows it down a little bit. All right. <laughs> That's fun. You've got food coming, I think, as well. Also joining me, we have, uh, he, this is his second appearance, Justin Fenton. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much, Ed. Good to be here.
0: Hey, it's good to have you here. And what are you drinking?
2: I'm drinking a very nice cider. It's a recorder It is a premium strawberry lime cider. And does it come at a premium price? Uh, well, it does. Like all good things. But I can tell you now, it's worth it. It's a very nice cider.
0: Alright, I might have to try that myself. I, myself, I have something non-alcoholic. I have a, a nice chocolate, and I'm loving it. Very good. Excellent. Right. So, here we go. Let's just cover a few stories. Um, first of all, I just want to talk about the, um, the FAA's plans to relax the, the rules about electronic devices in flight. What exactly does it mean that people will be able to do?
1: Well, it will mean that they will be able to use their electronic devices uh, more often during the flight. Yes,
0: and it takes away that uh, 10,000 feet rule, doesn't it?
1: Yes, yes.
0: So at the moment, you can't, tu- you can't turn on, in fact, any electronic devices, flight mode or not, for takeoff and landing. Yep. And, and so this is going to relax that. The other thing I thought was interesting is, um, it- it's kind of related to this, but it's not new, and that is that some flights do offer internet, don't they? Yes, some flights
2: do indeed. I would just like that. I, I travel quite a lot for work, and every time I fly, it, we're always advised that we have to turn off our devices for takeoff and landing, always because of the threat or the possibility of interference with uh, electronics, um, flight avionics, etc., for the pilots. I actually I really like this. I use an e-book reader. I listen to music, and for me, it means that I can turn on my devices. Plug myself in and then switch off and not have to worry about someone telling me to turn it off when I'm taking off and landing.
0: Well, I mean, there's, there's two things. There's, first of all, the, the risk of interference by the mere fact that you, if your device has the
1: capabilities of transmitting,
0: right? So wireless, internet, um, Bluetooth and so on.
1: And, and it, it's not a small concern because as we've reported previously, a person with a, an unlicensed broadcasting device that was jamming GPS signals from the landing system at LAX, wasn't it?
0: Yes, that's what I think it was, yeah. yeah. But, he, so, uh, but there, was a,
1: there was a cell phone jammer,
0: and, and those things... Indeed. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying, though, with that, is that those things are
1: notorious for splattering all over the spectrum, because that's how they... They function. That's that's what they do. And who's to say that your cell phone that you've dropped five or six times isn't hasn't wobbled a little bit in what it's doing? Yeah. Look, I do I do wonder
0: though, because you know the other place you're not allowed to use cell phones is in service stations, petrol stations.
1: You can't use them on the forecourt. Mm. But, but that's what? that's for static. It's yeah. I I, I, I remember both... watching a Mythbusters episode that was yeah. all about this. And I cannot remember the final outcome for it.
0: Because I, I seem to recall, because I watch it as well, I seem to recall that there's no evidence of cell phones causing fires in service stations.
1: It could also be another uh, rule which we think has a technological basis, but is really just another one of the, if you're distracted by a cell phone, you're less likely to be paying attention to pumping uh highly volatile liquids
2: actually and just just on what brett said there in in the um article that we've referenced they speak specifically to the pilots being distracted by cell phone signals as they're checking in trying to find a base tower while on flight and i think the the last thing we need for for any of us while we're at thirty thousand feet is for the pilot to be distracted
1: yeah, and actually, and the, yeah, the last. Thing Indeed, we do not, so- to- not want him to be hearing through his headset important information from ground control, which is suddenly blotted out by. <laughs> and, you so, know.
0: I was going to do that. For like yeah. ten
1: minutes worth, yeah. as every person on that flight's <laughs> phone starts to attempt to try and find a cell tower to connect. To.
0: Look, you know, just the other week, I was I attended a lecture at a uh, local university here. And uh, as we're waiting for things to get, you know, to, to, for the lecture to get underway across the speaker system, it's like, yep, someone's got a cell phone somewhere
1: that's interfering. Yeah. So you can see that in that sort of situation, you're talking about a room that's probably, what, 50 to 100 people, and it's going across the speakers area, and that person could have been anywhere in the room. The amount of interference they put out is actually not insignificant. And actually, just, and further to that as well,
2: it's, it all, I mean, you made the point a little earlier here, Brett, it's, it's all about the devices. And one of the things I talk about, um, as far as the FAA concern, is that they will vet the types of devices, or the idea is to vet the sorts of devices will be allowed to be used. Now, that's a lot of potential devices, and this is obviously to stop people from just walking up with a GPS jammer. Yep. Yep. Or other similar device. But then again, to what Ed was saying, or Brett, sorry, is, how do we know the, uh, the quality or of that particular device that you're using?
1: Yeah. Well, that's true. I, I just So that... wouldn't the, the, the better idea be if the device has some sort of transmission or reception capability, it should still be not used at the critical points in the flight where it could interfere with the pilot. But anything that has no transmitter or reception capability could be happily used. Like, like an e-book reader, for example.
2: Or, but then yeah, why not just have a rule that um, you turn it on to flight mode. If it's on flight mode, then yes, you can use it for takeoff and landing. No, it would be good if, that could yep. be, if, if that's the sort of thing that they're talking about.
0: Yeah, the, the thing is, um, uh, I, I, Brett, Brett's just um, commenting here off off Mike. We uh, got a Yorkshire pudding. It's absolutely ginormous. Let's get him on Mike. Let's get him on Mike. Brett, that, it's freaking huge. <laughs> Brett, you have a you have a huge Yorkshire pudding on your plate. I do i thought it was a loaf of bread i thought so too (laughs) it's almost as big as a loaf of bread goodness me wow you're making me hungry anyway look let's leave that there but it's good to see that as technology progresses that we're able to accommodate more and more because i think um you know it it seems it seems a little odd that you know we can we can build all these precise uh electronic devices yet we can't shield from, from interference. It just seems, it seems crazy. But I, I guess when lives are at risk, we do
2: tend to err on the side of caution. And I think it, it also recognizes the rate of change of society. And now we have a, a very large proportion of our society, if not everybody, that, are, that are continue that are using connected devices, whether it's mobile phones or tablets, all of these devices that have, um, transmitting and receiving capability. And then, Coupled that with the fact that everybody on the plane has at least one or two or maybe even more. The yeah. last flight that I went on, I had four devices. Every one of them needed to be switched off for takeoff and landing.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, and that, that's a hassle. So, like you say, there's, there's the the pressure there from from the consumers on the industry, you know, because they, they realize this now, don't they, that, that people do have multiple devices now. It's a, it's a huge thing. So, and they want to they wanna use them. They want to use them, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Okay. Let's talk about the, uh, just briefly the Microsoft's, uh, so, sorry, Microsoft's, uh, $200 trade-in program. They've extended it to iPhones. They had an existing program where you would get a $200 gift card if you trade in your iPad. And now this, that what's news here is that they've extended that to the iPhone 4S and iPhone 5, um, as long as they're in a, and I quote, gently used, unquote, uh, condition. Now, look, I'm going to put something out there for debate. You know what I'm saying? This is nothing but desperation.
2: Well, it's also Microsoft looking at, um, techniques and methodologies for buying market share. It's, it's acknowledged that between Samsung and Apple, they have the vast majority of the mobile uh, market share and Microsoft coming to market with their Windows 8 phone with the Windows 8 Pro operating system with their tablets. This is Microsoft saying, well, we want to make uh, a firm statement that we want to be part of the mobility future and the mobility roadmap, and this is one way that we're going to do that.
0: But you know what? It's, it's usually, this, this kind of technique is usually employed by companies that have a bad product that, that want to basically buy themselves into the market. But the, here's the thing.
2: Windows is not a bad product. Well, and they say, I don't know if it's fair to say that, that it's a technique used only by companies with bad products. That is a technique. It's a technique to buy market share.
0: But it's obviously a technique that's used because their product isn't selling itself. If it was selling itself, they wouldn't need to do it.
2: But well, it's, it's, it's a technique to get into the marketplace in the first place. So, yes, I mean, uh, Windows 8 Mobile has been, or Windows 7 Mobile as well, have been in the marketplace, and it's, it's been not entirely static. So this is uh, Microsoft just making a statement I don't think it's necessarily that they're that they're afraid that they're not going to make an impact, but it's them making as much of an impact as possible with their new
1: operating system. Brett, you had something to say about that. Indeed, we're talking about a market that is pretty saturated with people who, you know, you buy your smartphone, you're going to keep it for you know a couple of years at the very minimum. Otherwise, well, you know, unless you've got money to frivolously throw around, um, so so you're going to. Try and break into that market, offering people the ability to trade in with a bonus, you know, a device that they're already using to replace it with somebody else's market. I think it's a perfectly viable option.
2: Actually, I agree. And if you, what I would like to do is to wait and see what Microsoft's marketing campaign is around this. Because you've got to recognize that, um, there is a, a generation I, uh, a youth generation that do change their mobile devices as much as they change their their fashion wardrobe. So if you couple a $200... I'm $2 glad
0: you th- said that. I thought you were going to say the
2: underwear. No, yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> wore well, that too, probably. But no, look, if, if Microsoft are going to be offering a $200 buyback for their iPhones at a time when these particular consumers are thinking of changing their mobile device anyway, so they've got a choice now. They could choose to buy a Microsoft device... Knowing that they've got a $200 gift voucher to go to put towards that device, or they could buy the next generation iPhone. Now, at the same time, if Microsoft saturate the media with a very big marketing campaign promoting that device, offering also at the same time a $200 buyback, then it's up to the consumer to say, well, wow, here's this great product that I'm seeing on TV all around me. It looks like all the greatest stars are using this. It looks like all my friends are using it. Now, oh, they're giving me $200 to buy it. Why not? I could choose one or the other, and hey, why don't I choose this? So why don't Apple or Samsung do the same thing? Well, both have got the share already. They don't need to. It's very diff When you've got the, the largest market share in a, in a particular market, it's very difficult to grow your market, especially if you have the majority market share. But what it is difficult to do is maintain that market share. If you don't have the largest market share and all you have to do is grow and go up, then you'll use and employ whatever techniques that you have and this is a, this is one technique. As long as Microsoft couple it with a very good media marketing campaign to get the awareness of the consumers at the same time that they offer them a $200 buyback, then they stand to gain potentially quite a bit of market.
0: They do have a nice operating system. And, uh, 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 and I, I guess where I'm coming from, it's, I, I would have liked to have seen Windows phones and Windows tablets sell themselves.
2: And the, Well, and see, now nothing sells itself. Nothing at all. And, I mean, you could, you could say that iPhones are selling themselves, but they don't. There is a very smooth marketing campaign always behind the iPhone. Same goes for Samsung. You only have to watch TV, watch your Samsung TV, and see the amount of Samsung ads that are out there. And it's not just about promoting a particular product. It's also promoting the brand. The brand awareness is, is probably more important than actually promoting the product itself.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. The, the iPhone doesn't sell itself. Apple sells the iPhone.
0: Okay, yeah, I take I take your point on that. Actually, I do take your point. You're you're right. It's not it's not just the product, the device. That, that's the that's a commodity. Um, what you're actually selling is the brand. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll give you that. Okay, now actually, while we're talking about uh, mobile devices and portable devices, there's been mixed reviews about the Samsung Galaxy uh, Smartwatch that they've brought out. Look, what I, where I'd like to go with this is what do people want in a smartwatch? What is a smartwatch? And looking at, I mean, this this one that Samsung's brought out, they've obviously wanted to be first there in, or early in the market, and they have been. Uh, they certainly, uh, there were rumors that Apple were going to do the same thing and that hasn't eventuated. Um, it's got no SIM card or data connection on its own. It does have Bluetooth, and it links to your phone via Bluetooth. Now, the other thing uh and that's what some people don't like they say well it's not smart enough it's just a, an extension of a smartphone
2: well look they are they companion devices they they're an accessory to your to a device you currently have it's like um it's like a tablet is a companion device to a mobile notebook or, or a laptop the the whole the concept of the smart the smart watch Is that you'll couple it with a smartphone and then use it alongside.
0: But couldn't it be more uh, autonomous? So you don't have to have your phone with you. You've got your watch. It tells you the time and it downloads the weather when you know it shows you the latest weather and temperatures and so on or or whatever else it it does. I think that's what some people are saying that perhaps it could have a little bit more autonomy. The the other thing that's limiting these and not just the Samsung one, but uh, you know, I've mentioned the Samsung one because it's just you know been announced recently, but uh, all smartwatches is the the one thing that's holding them back is battery technology. Who wants to charge a watch every day? Mm-hmm. To make sure it has the right time or well I guess it will still have the trickle charge, but you know to be able to use it
2: Well see well that's exactly right and that comes back to your first point about how smart is a smartwatch? I mean these smartwatches have processes and then the, the processes have to be reasonably good to be able to execute the sort of code necessary to run the applications that make them smartwatches in the first place. So, of course, if it's got a fairly decent processor, whether it's an ARM processor or, or whatever, uh, it does require a certain amount of battery pull, and that's something a lot more than the, the very dumb watches uh, require at the moment.
1: And you're talking about an incredibly small form factor, and battery technology has been Well, we've made some advances, it has been relatively stagnant over the past, what, decade? More than a decade? 20-odd years? So, trying to come up with something which is going to give you more than a... I'm surprised that they've gotten a day's charge out of that. I have my phone, which is a much bigger device, admittedly, much more powerful as well, and it's it's now down to needing to be charged every two days. Mainly because of iOS 7.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I charge my phone every day. When I'm not using my phone, I, I plug it into the charger. It's just accepted but that if I want to use it, I need to charge do it. But would you do
0: it with a watch? A, a wristwatch goes on your wrist. Exactly. Uh, a, a phone wrist, you can throw yes. about, it goes in your bag, it goes in your pocket, it, it gets left on the table, you know, whatever. A wristwatch is, is only functional, really, when it's on your wrist. Or, or, it has to be charged. I mean, that's the...
2: And then, so what it may do is, is define user behavior with this particular device. Like your normal wristwatch, the one that you might wind, or, or a dumb wristwatch that you can, with a battery that'll last for, for years. Yeah, you'll, you'll leave it on your wrist and you take it off when you, when you jump in the shower or in the bath. With these devices, you'll, before you go to bed, you'll take it off and plug it into the charger you have sitting next to your bed. I do that with my phone, so I do that what with my tablet, is, I'll do the same with the watch.
0: So that will just be the norm. That's, that's, that'll, it'll change.
2: It'll be the but, user behavior. Right.
1: Okay. It'll be a very annoying norm. Because I, I can see when this first starts happening, people going, ah, oh, I bought this brand new thing. Great. I, I need to charge it. Okay. I wear it. Oh, so cool. And I need to charge it, and then they go to work the next day without their watch because they've forgotten about it because it's charging and it's not on their wrist, and nobody thinks about a watch.
2: Well, there are, you know, there are other options. There are kinetic devices, for example, wristwatches that are charged by the movement of the body, but those devices are nowhere near as smart as a smartwatch. And of course, because the sort of battery power that can be charged by moving your hand around is nowhere near as powerful as the sort of battery power you can get from uh, plugging a device into a micro USB port. But then, just very recently in New New Zealand, Samsung invested in a New Zealand company that developed adapters for smartphones and for other battery-powered devices that allowed you to do inductive charging. So what we would probably see is um, some sort of uh, marry-up between these smartwatches these, uh, these adapters that you put into the battery or that you slide onto the top of the battery and then at night you'll take it off and you'll put it on a, uh, a flat surface that you have sitting on your, on your dresser table next to your bed alongside your phone and your tablet and anything else and it'll just charge overnight. Uh,
0: until the day that we have a breakthrough in battery technology where we get at least a 20-fold uh, capacity, because that's that is it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because right now, if if you think about it, we are being squeezed, we're being held back by battery technology. Imagine if we had, like I say, a 20-fold battery. If if we had a, a wristwatch that would last 20 days on a charge, or a phone
1: for for a month, then we would have the ability to power exoskeletal armor and jetpacks. And all of the other cool futuristic stuff we were um promised like, way more cool twenty stuff. years ago yeah,
0: exactly way more cool <laughs> stuff than wristwatches and cell phones yeah.
1: indeed the uh, we would have electric cars that the, actually yes, worked yeah. well, and wouldn't need to be charged every hundred ks or every evening yep no I exactly it would open the door to so much more,
0: and it's just a shame now because it feels like we're reaching i guess the limits of you know it comes down to people 's patience and people's um yeah, how cumbersome must something be for someone before they abandon it? You know, charging something once a day is pretty much, I think, the limit. If you have to charge something twice a day, people are not going to do it. And even once a day is painful. So, how far can we push the envelope?
2: I guess it comes down to n- new developments in material science. I mean, we'll wait and see.
0: Yeah, yep, um, yeah, it's a waiting game, isn't it?
2: But if I if I could add though, I'm I'm excited about these devices myself. I'm an avid runner, and I I there's another device out there called the pebble which is very similar and i know we're not talking about the pebble but it's it, um, it'll link with anything there's a limitation with this um, samsung device because it currently it's only uh, compatible with a with a samsung note 3 and that's where, it And that's it right now as, as at its launch um i guess that'll probably change as they improve the list of compatible devices but the Pebble is compatible with anything that's bluetooth so I could have a uh, any old Android device um, or a Apple device load the application Runkeeper on it, and then I can monitor my the distances and the the kilometres I'm running, my pace, all that sort of thing from uh, from a wristwatch, and I, I think that's great. Or certainly something I'll be quite excited to to look into.
0: So presumably the people, if I remember rightly, has apps for iOS and Android.
2: Yes, that's yeah, right. Okay. So it's compatible with iOS and Android apps. Probably a better way to say that. Do not you
0: have to install? I thought you had to install a an app on,
2: on a, your, on your, your iOS phone. device or your Android yep. device and that is compatible with the people. And Runkeeper is the one that I named that because I oh, use I it see. as a, okay. as a runner yep. with my phone that's compatible with the people. Right. I so, see what yeah. you're
0: saying. Yep. Okay. Now, Brett, you mentioned something about iOS. Uh, it's, yeah, I look, I agree with you. It, it does seem to, drain devices a lot more than previous versions of iOS. Interestingly, everyone was getting iOS, uh, was trying to download iOS, such that they noticed internet traffic jams. Uh, Yet yeah, I noticed um, a slowdown thanks to Apple. <laughs> well, not thanks to Apple, but thanks to all the consumers who wanted iOS 7.
1: I noticed a slowdown. Yeah, I did too. It, it yeah. took freaking ages to download an update, yep. and it, it cut out multiple times during the process. Same thing happened with um, when they pushed out the 7.0.2 patch it also failed the first time it tried to do it and yeah, I, I for a while afterwards, we, um... would not <laughs> complete its download well this this slowdown isn't just
0: apple it's it's also uh, other traffic as well and bluecoat well known uh, uh, company therefore you know uh, internet uh, for internet traffic and web proxy and and uh, web filters uh, they they noticed um Kind of worldwide slowdown because of iOS seven. That's huge. How how big was is iOS seven? Was it a gig?
2: Actually, something? well, that's a good question because it de- like it depends on what level of of uh, iOS you currently have installed and what patches you have installed. If you had if your device had been regularly updating and patching itself, then it was only a very small uh, download and update. But if you're updating from an earlier version of iOS, then that, yes, could have uh, sent down a bigger was, uh, version. If you were depending on what you already right? had pre-installed, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, it could take a long time if everyone's trying to download it at the same time. Yeah, and of course everyone wants it right away. It's free. does everyone want it at the same time, or is it being pushed out at the same time?
1: Well, it's probably more the fact that most people will sync their devices once or twice a day, and when you sync your device, it automatically asks, hey, is this new patch out? Would you like to do it? And so everybody just, as probably automatically, or possibly completely automatically if they've ticked that checkbox, it will just do it.
0: Well, well, I, well, what I was going to say was, I, I suspect people are having to click yes, and they cho- but, the, but even if they are, they're choosing to. And this is my point: uh, there, there probably are a few people that will want to hang on to iOS six. But what I'm saying is that people want iOS seven.
2: But uh, yeah, is it fair to say that they're choosing to, or is it that people are automatically seeing a a dialogue box coming up from Apple? Says, no, they uh, must know. I saw. I saw. Oh, a card I don't know if they know.
0: Seven. I knew it was going to completely change my device. Sure.
2: Uh, but it, it all these they see a, a dialogue box coming up from apple saying hey here's a patch here click yes yeah okay yes so uh, it's a modal dialogue box i better click yes cuz i want to play some music
1: yeah precisely it's one of the most common reasons that people get viruses and silly toolbars they get on their computer into the is, same sort of well not thing. just they get tricked they get into the habit of oh another damn dialogue box Click the button. Click the button. And another damn okay, yeah. dollar. Click the button. Which is going to make proceed. it keep going? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Tell you what. I've got one last story, and I thought this is kind of a, a neat story, and in, in a sort of a as a sort of human interest story, and that is a man has uh, was browsing uh, Google Street View, and he he spotted a photo which depicted his grandmother who had passed away some time ago. Uh, uh, j- well, reasonably recently. Isn't that neat? She's sitting on the front porch of the house. Yeah. It's sunny, and there she is out there.
2: I, I found the story actually very poignant, and I think it's it also reflects a a shift in our society and in modern culture. And what I mean by that is uh, it's a, a question about when you die digitally versus physically. So I mean, this is—it's yes. a lovely story. Yes. Here's this grandson. Here, he's just—he's wandering down the street that his grandma lives on, and he sees a picture of his nana. And I think, oh, that is, it's absolutely sweet. Yeah, it is. It Look, is. I've, I've got family members who have passed away who have Facebook pages, and their Facebook pages still exist. Do you visit
0: them? Well, how do you feel about going, or do you not visit those pages? Because I'll tell you—I'll tell you—for me,
2: I don't think I could. I. You know, it, it's not a matter of me visiting them, but they're my friends on Facebook. And when my cousins, my aunties and uncles and the the other um, spouses of the people who passed away make changes to the pages themselves, then I'm automatically notified of it. And, I, you know, I, I leave it because I like to see some changes come up every now and then. I know that they've passed away, but it's, it's just nice to see that um, it's like a shrine it's like a, a digital shrine to to the people of uh, to our loved ones who have, who, have pa- who passed on
0: i mean this is one of those things that you know 15 20 years ago
2: we wouldn't have talked about it wasn't really sort of envisaged if you like No, the concept didn't but exist 15 20 and, years ago
0: and, and even more so about 7 or 8 years ago was really when things changed a lot because of social social media mm-hmm. you know obviously you know you know even 10 12 13 years ago the internet, people were using the internet but there wasn't so much of the, the sort of, um, you know, creating profiles on, on pages like Facebook and Twitter and so on um, as there is now. So, yeah, I look, I don't know. I, I, I don't have anyone that I know um, well, that I know well who's, who's moved on and has a digital profile. And I, I, I think I would feel a bit odd looking at that profile,
2: following their Twitter
0: feed or going to their Facebook, looking at their Facebook page. It, it's it's not that i have anything against no, it but I, I it just i think it would be odd to me
2: well yes i think we're still in a in a period of transition for this but um for me now having had experience and exposure to this for over a year um i don't see it as anything too different to going to a cemetery and looking at a, at a headstone or something similar right now
1: yeah it's the same sort of thing but then as you're saying it uh some people are even right now and have for well since I think we started burying people um, felt that aversion to actually going even to a graveyard to visit a gravestone actually some the, of the, day the day whole day. Yeah. thing surrounding the death is is what they want to avoid and so yeah I think that's going to continue even with this digital presence and in for those people it's probably going to become more oppressive because of the fact that there's all of these digital presences around and if you are a the sort of person who couldn't, you know, can't bring themselves to visit somebody's grave at a graveyard, how are you going to feel when you are still (laughs) friended by the deceased on Facebook, or still receive Twitter feeds, or while looking for somebody else, see something that's come up for this person who's deceased? And that is one big
0: difference also with, you know, with the graveyard versus the digital thing is that the link you have, you know, like following on, on, on Twitter and, um, friending on Facebook. It's kind of almost like, you know, there's that link there. Whereas at least with a graveyard, if you don't want to go to the graveyard, you don't need to. If you want to go and pay your respects and you're comfortable doing that, you can online when it's on your feed, you you either have to go unfollow or unfriend Mm -hmm. or you kind of have to close your eyes and that's awkward.
2: Well, it's like I was saying, we're we're still in this period of transition, but look, it's going to it's going to happen and it's going to change, and it's it's becoming ubiquitous. Here's, a, here's another story that's very similar of a friend of mine who is an avid user of LinkedIn, and while he was on LinkedIn a couple of days ago, and by the way, he shared this with every one of his friends on Facebook, but while he was on LinkedIn, LinkedIn has this feature where it proposes other people that you may want to link with. And LinkedIn proposed that he should link with his father, who was deceased and had passed away. So he had already been, he was already deceased, and LinkedIn was saying, hey, you share a lot of commonality with this person, you may want to link with them." Yeah, so that's sort of being pushed to him,
0: or offered to him, and and that's the...
2: Well, that that comes back to another concept then, is that... When do you digitally check out of these of these uh, online uh, social media presences? Well, maybe they there should be have... a button that you press to say, "I have, I, I'm, I'm still alive."
0: Or, or the other way around. What about one that says, "I'm uh, still
2: alive"?
1: often, yeah, I'm still here. Uh, the sort of dead man switch idea. Uh, <laughs> once again, I think it's going a little too far. I think it would be more. There should be a process for all of those social media sorts of sites where other people um family members etc can contact those companies and say hey this is the site of somebody who is deceased can you please switch it to deceased mode or whatever
0: yeah okay um and, and could, as justin yeah.
1: said this is a something that is going to continue to evolve and there are lots of um there are web companies in the states etc that have set up to be purely um, digital graveyards, div- digital yep. headstones yep. and commemorative sites where they build a profile about uh, a deceased person with um, all the sorts of features that you would get in social media, except it's a place that is designed purely for you go there to leave a comment to, to other people who knew the person there or to, you know, just post a spiritual comment to the, the, the per- to the deceased. Look, it, it's also it's really cathartic
2: um, at the at the anniversary of either the the death or the birthday of the people that I know who have a a digital presence or a digital shrine. Um, the amount of comments that appear on their on their feed around that time uh, they increase as my cousins and other family members post a comment like "Miss you, love you, uh, wish you well," so on, wish the family well. And it's great, you know. You can read them, and you can share, and you can express your grief, or you can celebrate the life of that person. And it's a it's a place that you can go and do that. You don't have to you don't have to be sitting on there day in day out, but it's certainly it's also an opportunity for you to express your well wishes to the family members of those who are the deceased.
1: It's also um, interesting to see how this will affect the different cultural attitudes to to death and um, deceased and shrines and honouring and that sort of thing because um, as you are mentioning uh, a lot of different cultural groups have uh, very much, you know, that, that warm, welcoming, remembering them, celebrating them and that sort of thing, whereas a lot of other cultures are more that person is gone now um, and we celebrate internally but we don't and nothing is done outside it is just say, they're gone and we move on <laughs> it is interesting how this um in the the digital age with all of the the fact that we leave these footprints and these footprints last for pretty much ever um how the different cultures will merge and how we might see start to see a uh, shift in the global perception as the the different cultures show their different ways of Dealing with death and um, tributes to people. What
0: would you? What uh, question for both of you then, um, Brett and Justin? What would you prefer have happened to your digital profiles when you die?
2: Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think I'll care once I've, once I've died. I'll, I will have to be honest with you. So you don't,
0: you. <laughs> you don't. Well, <laughs> well, once you're gone, you don't care. But you might care now though about well, what I happens
2: think after. Uh, that would be a decision for for my surviving family members. I think I'd, I'd leave it up to them to decide okay. what they would like to do with it. Okay. And if they would like All it right. to remain, and like Brett was saying, if there was a a dead man switch or a deceased mode, and it was a metaphor of surviving family members or friends to contact the the various social media sites and say, this person passed away, can we put it into the deceased mode, or can we delete the, the profile because it, it upsets me, then fine, I'll leave the decision for the surviving members.
1: And at least that way, if there was a sort of deceased mode, you wouldn't still show up on. Hey, you could be friends with this person. Would you like to connect? And somebody goes, Oh, I click yeah. friend, and I never get a response back. And only later do I read some of their yeah, feed and discover yeah. that. Oh wait, no, they've passed away. So no, yeah. no. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so,
0: so, what would you want break with? your profiles, or do you? Is it like, is it like the same uh, pretty much same as Justin? Okay, so it, it, it's not your. It, it doesn't matter to you.
1: No, no. I would like it to acknowledge the fact that I'm gone so it doesn't show up on stuff. Right, (laughs) right. But still be searchable and findable because, you know, you look for people that you've known in the past and if you have those different presences out there for people to find, it's still nice to be there because you're still, even though you're gone, informing them of what has happened. So if somebody, you know... In the future, yeah, searching for Justin or for Brett or for Edwin, uh, they would find out that oh, okay, the the person has passed away, and there's there's this sort of thing that's gone on. No, I, I think I agree with that a hundred
2: percent. I think I'd, and after hearing what Brett had to say there, I would like my profile to to recognise that I've died, but at the same time allow it to be searchable because. One of the funniest things I've seen is with old Koro and Krowa and, and uh, Kuya, who sit around a table and talk about people that they've grown up with, and then one after the other, if they're at a reunion, they had not seen each other for a long time, they talk about the people who have died, and it's um oh I never knew that Bill had passed away. Well, it's good to know now. I don't need to be pursuing Bill and finding out what he's up to. So it's a great opportunity for for us as we get near that age ourselves to be able to. To see what's happened to someone, see see how they celebrated their life, but at the same time, um, recognize that yes, they have died. See, I think I would want my profile deleted. But then I, we'll, we won't know what happened to you. I mean, and I would, one day I'd like to know.
1: I, I, I would, I'd you're, like... You're, it wouldn't be there for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren, your great-great-great-grandchildren, who would be able to look at your profile... And see the ridiculous things that you tweeted about. <laughs> that's exactly and, why. <laughs> that's exactly why. And, you know, oh, see yeah. all of the, the, the silly pictures of you when you're completely blind drunk and, 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 and doing something silly. Um, yeah. That was last night. Be, well, precisely. <laughs> yeah, you, your, your great grandchildren need to know that about you, Ed. They Do need they? to know that you posted oh, silly no, no. things yeah, look, and I, that you did silly things. <laughs> to make them more, feel more comfortable. No, look. it's Well, it's, look, it's part I, of you passing I, on your story.
0: Yeah, I don't know. To me, I guess I, I live in the present, and, and when something's gone, it's, for me, it's gone, and, and that's it, closed door. But, you know, I mean, I yeah, it's just my... At the end of the day, I probably, look, When it comes down to the reality of it, I probably won't have the decision anyway. I won't be able to make the decision unless they build that functionality into, you know, into those services. But
2: well, it could be preemptive. You know, when you sign up to the social media site, they say now at at your death, how would you like your profile to be to be dealt with? Check here if you'd like it to be deceased. Check here if you want it to be deleted.
1: I don't think that's going to happen. That's kind of morbid. Nobody wants to think about that (laughs) when they're signing up to Facebook. In case you die, what would you like us to do? But buried in their um, guidelines or terms or conditions, there should be something that stipulates that, you know. um, If members of your family, verified members of your family contact us, they will be able to get, you know, access to your profile when you're deceased so that they can change
0: now, guys, we have probably spent just as much time on that last topic that we did the other four the first four stories <laughs> but it's been a really good topic it's been really interesting it's opened up a whole area of discussion that i
1: indeed I that knew we're has have. has somewhat to do with technology but not a lot a lot to do with digital identity and the and the global and you know global internet um and a lot to do with um people's philosophies and um, identities.
0: It's quite a deep discussion, actually, in the end there. Um,
1: so I think
2: what it's de- demonstrated is that culture is not static. The only static cultures are the cultures that don't exist anymore. So and what we're seeing here is that as society changes, it has an impact on culture and helps to define the, the course of that culture. I know that for me, uh, in the culture that I... That I reside in and the greater culture of New Zealand it's it certainly defines the way uh, we interact with each other
0: Wow that was a, that was a you know people tuning in now if you just listen to the last half of the podcast would probably not ever guess that this is a tech, technology show but it is so anyway that was kind of if you like the uh, the tech the the uh, uh, the, the aspects of, uh, death and digital identity and what happens, uh, you know, in the digital age. So it's been a good discussion. Justin, want to thank you very much for co-hosting a second time. You, you were fabulous. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Oh, and it's, pleasure's ours. And Brett, also thank you very much for co-hosting. Always a pleasure, Ed. All right. We'll do it again next time. In the meantime, take care everyone. Have a good week. And that is episode 237 of The Boys of Tech. See you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.